Hey everyone, welcome to Impact Marketer. Today's guest is a digital marketer, founder of Refugee Hustle, PharmD, and high ticket sales expert. He successfully transitioned from a six-figure career as a pharmacist to a remote entrepreneur, growing a YouTube channel to over 1.8 million views and 10,000 subscribers, closing an unprecedented $1.2 million worth of deals over 10 months, having been able to successfully design his ideal lifestyle revolving around quality relationships, jujitsu, and scaling the impact of other companies through sales. He went from an insecure entrepreneur that focused on perfectionism due to a background in pharmacy to a successful entrepreneur that focused on the learning process. Please help me in welcoming Kevin Yee. Well, yeah, Ronnie, thanks for that ego boost. I know we had to do this uh, intro like two times, man, but it was a, it's a blast, man, working with you, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, thanks for being on. I really appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right, Kevin. You've you've done a lot from from pharmacy and, and sales and digital marketing. You found yourself in sales after all these years. Do you think you'll stay there? Ooh, that is a good question. I feel like it's one of the skills that I'm just trying to master right now. I'm not sure who said it. Maybe it was Billy Jean or someone else. Um, but one of these people said that the two most important things that you need to focus on when starting a business is really sales and marketing. Those are key essential skills, right? And for a while, I was studying digital marketing, but I haven't had that much sales experience, even though I always, <laughs> looking back on it, I learned how cold call through pharmacy and all that sort of stuff, asking people to pick up their prescriptions and all that sort of stuff. But as far as staying in sales, I don't think I'm going to stay in sales for the rest of my life. It's just one phase of the, build, like, the growth that I'm in right now at the moment, so... Um, but I enjoy it. It's like mental, like, dude, one of the things, that, so I'm not sure if people listening know, but I'm a huge, huge, huge jujitsu nerd, right? <laughs> it feels like mental jujitsu where it's like, you know, any, some wild things can happen. How do you, how well do you adapt? How well is your process and all that sort of stuff? You meet so many different types of people. So that's the one thing that keeps me in sales is that it's just like a mental chess game 24 seven. It's really, really fun, man. So I, I totally agree. Um, I yeah. describe sales as psychological warfare. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be a little sadistic. You got to be a little crazy to do something like sales too. Most of the salespeople I know, the top performing ones, they're all so freaking weird. Every single one, they have a weird personality and stuff like that. And you're like, how are you doing sales? Right? That's my reaction half the time. But meet people of all sort um, walks of life doing sales too. So that's the interesting part as well. The people so that you work with. That, that's a great segue. What, um, what traits do you think a great, powerful salesperson has? I think the number one thing um, that you could be the worst salesperson ever starting off, but really, I, I, I mean, I was the worst. I almost got kicked off like, <laughs> like a few of my clients when I first started, right? But I think the thing that's allowed me to kind of be, um, I don't know, I don't want to say successful because I feel like I'm still in the process of it. But one of the things that has kept me in the game and competing with people who have been in uh, the game for like 20 plus years and, and scrapping with them and beating them sometimes, right? It's just that focus on getting better, right? Like you have to be able to focus on the next step of getting better, getting better, getting better. And dissolving your ego. Part of that journey is dissolving your ego because we've all been there. Like, it's just like, man, I don't want to listen to that call. I did so bad, right? But you have to listen to that call. You have to listen. You can't let your ego like listen to, um, like when you're listening to other people's calls too, to model after them, you have to be able to take a step back and just be like, huh, okay. 
not get that scarcity mindset where like, oh man, I suck, I suck, I suck. No, you just got to focus on the process, improving your process. What are they doing? What are some things that you can learn from? And you can always learn things from the newer people too, because everybody has different perspective as well, right? And try it on, try it as well. So there's a bit of testing. There's, you have to dissolve your ego. You have to focus on the primary goal as well, like uh, on that focus on getting better every single day and not letting your lows get too low because some men, if anybody's been in sales, they know that the highs are really high. When you're hot, you're hot, right? When it, when it's horrible, you're just like, uh, I'll swear again. Fuck, man. What am I doing? What am I doing wrong, man? And chances are, it's not, it's not you. It's just like the ups and downs of sales. And every salesperson has that. But if you look at the long-term view, they're, they're, they, they still perform every single time. So there's a lot of, that's why I love sales. It's a psychology game, right? I love those psychology type of games. That's why I like copywriting too, right? You're bringing them down like a rabbit hole, making them read the next line, the next line. Mm-hmm. It's just like verbal copywriting. For sure, man. That, the aspect of humility is huge and, and being able to see things at a macro level. Mm-hmm. I know, like, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a salesperson, but, you know, yeah. owning an, an agency, you do do sales. So I've, I felt like a really mm-hmm. great month. And then the next month is completely dry. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. So, Ronnie, can I ask you something? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Tell me about your experience with, like, the whole sales process. How are you feeling about it right now? What are some things that you're learning at the moment? So I'm, I'm probably right at that point where you're describing, right? Because as I mentioned, I, I've gotten like, a coach where he's, showing us his entire two sale cl- uh, two call close for his sales process so just learning the scripts practicing and just really delivering it in an awkward way i would think mm. i i hit one really good one the uh, so this last week i did three of them which is great i think one went really well he was like dude i'm so so like l- let's schedule the second one i was like cool you did most of talking i'm, I'm happy your ego is fed um, <laughs> <laughs> one was like neutral and one, I don't think went that well. Uh, okay. It didn't go bad. It just went okay. Yeah. So I think right now, and, it, and this kind of reminds me of, of uh, serving, right? Which I, I love serving because it, it had my social just accuracy and, and delivery on point because I had to talk to so many different people for hours a day. Yeah. But I think, you know, as great comics do, they have to practice the frameworks and then make it come natural. Yeah. So I think I'm in the, the framework part and that, and that's what kind of bugs me. But, you know, like you said, dissolve the ego, kind of just go with it. If I lose some deals right now because I'm learning, then, then fuck, like it's just the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, it's not you're losing deals because the way the, pro- it's just that you're building your process up right now. And I think uh, you definitely have the, once you can buy, so for those listening that don't know my background, I used to do community pharmacy. And just like you, Ronnie, when you were talking about serving, I was serving drugs to the community. So that's basically what I was doing, right? <laughs> but you get to, you meet so many different types of people and you read people. As soon as you can integrate that initial read on someone with your process, then things mm. just go so smooth. And it's crazy. Then you start noticing, wow, I can actually create desire on these calls. And then you just... Tweak the little things here and there. And it's kind of like you have your proof of concept. You know that your process works. You believe in it. Now it's just optimizing. That's the fun part, man. We're always trying new things. Uh, and we always try to have fun on these calls too, man. So <laughs> sales is really, really fun, right? Like how can we position this to fit their needs? Like how are we communicating what they really need? Are we focusing on their actual needs and stuff? It's pretty much serving people in a very different way because they, I mean, if you're confident in the service that you provide, 
then there's no reason why they shouldn't work with you, right? And it's it's your obligation to make sure that they work with you as well because they're going to be well taken care of. But yeah, it's a great point. So uh, I, I love that integrating, you know, the the social awareness and EQ and empathy as in, in your pitch and your messaging. Yeah, but I think when you're starting out and you're kind of shaky and you you know you can help them, <laughs> yeah. and so you kind of dip into a scarcity mindset because it's like, hey fucker like i can really change your business if you sign up with me uh right so how do you balance that like figuring out the framework knowing you can really help them but not coming off too desperate because you know you lose the sale when when you come from a place of i guess not authority yeah so i think the most there's some multiple steps right we can talk about social styles we can talk about a lot of different things but i think the first things first right get someone who I'm not sure if you're the only one doing the sales calls or anything like that. If you have a team of people, either way, uh, pick the brain of someone who does it really, really well. Ideally, within your within your with your specific offer as well, right? Because they have proof of concept. Model it. What I did when I was a when I was uh, closing for one of my clients is that I listened to a top performer, right? I listened to the way that he positioned the call. I wrote down every single word. By the way, I also formed a really great relationship with this guy because I, I told him like, hey man, I just want to let you know, you're killing at sales. I actually, this is going to sound really nerdy, but I actually wrote down every word you said on the sales call and I made it my own. So then I re- I put it in the words I would use because everybody talks a little differently, right? Mm. So there's your proof of concept modeling, oh, like your proof of concept right there. And keep in mind, if you have a script or anything like that, it's never going to go 100%. But in general, it gives you the next step to focus on. That's how you should think of a script, like a quote-unquote script. It's almost like an agenda, right? Mm. Think about it like that. And so as you go down through the funnel, right, it's it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You'll hear this uh, term in sales a lot. I didn't really understand that first, but then I realized it's the tonality that you... uh, that you have, right? So if you got, um, for those lists, did, did Tom talk about social styles with y'all? No, no, no. No? Okay. So I'll, I'll do a really crappy job of breaking it down, but there's like four different different types of styles of how people make decisions, right? Sure. So there's like drivers, right? These are the A-type personalities who, you know, they lack empathy, but they just want to focus on the goals, the goals, the goals. How do we make money? How do we hit these goals? They're, Guilty. They're the, yeah. So there's, there's people like that, right? There's the more analytical type of people. So they uh, typically need, they want to look at more of the facts, figures. They need a little bit more time to digest all the information and all that. That's, there's that type, right? And then there's the expressive, right? Uh, I fall into this category, by the way. They're very impulsive. They do things for fun, right? They just, they use words like I feel, right? Those are key things, right? And then there's the amiable. Think about, uh, I don't know. I like to think of people like my mom or like nurses and stuff. People who Tom's actually amiable. He's amiable. He's super helpful though. Like yeah, yeah. that's the thing. He's like he's always down to help. He's always like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Right? I want to get your thoughts about that. I'm like, "Dang, yeah." So it's not not to say one is better than the other. Actually, you know what's interesting about Tom? He has so many years of consulting where he's able to his versatility score is really high. So he can be a driver. He can be analytical. He can hit all four quadrants. I was like, dang, Tom, how do you do that? Yeah. That's through client-facing interaction where you can build each one of these. Yeah. And I think that's why when you jump on sales calls, client-facing work, you build this versatility score where you're able to adapt over time. 
and it's your tonality, right? Typically, so for example, if I were to bring it back on a sales call, my question, I'm not going to, when, when I'm talking to more of a driver, I need to, I keep things a lot shorter with, with my delivery and whatnot as well. And really focus on their goals when I'm asking them their questions about their needs for the business or anything like that. Uh, and basically, I, I could go, I could go on forever about this, but mm-hmm. how you want to cater your pitch is based off of their style as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so making sure that you have the process in hand, understanding their style. And just putting in reps, man. It's like, I feel like some people are like, man, I want to go into the gym, bench 350, 315 pounds on the bar day one. But damn, dude, you can barely like bench the bar, man. Like it takes reps. It takes practice over time, right? And then you just work on your delivery. Read it, read it word for word until it's ingrained in you. Like you see me do a sales call, Ronnie. I don't even, I don't need the script, but I have it in front of me. Uh, just because it's like an agenda. So I can always stay focused. So I sound confident. There's never a dull moment where I'm just like, oh shoot, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what the next question. No, I'm absolutely certain about the next steps as well. So Mm -hmm. certainty is a huge factor as well. Man, I I really like the fact that you highlighted that it's important to reword the script in in your vernacular. I Yeah, because that's what's been tripping me up with the script I'm using. Yeah. Just different phrasing. I don't, I don't talk like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, some of these prospects that I have on the call, I would imagine that, you know, some of them I met in person, we had a conversation that we jump on this and I'm just thinking, they probably feel like this doesn't sound like me because it, to me, it doesn't sound like me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Because one of uh, the people I'm the one, of the first pe- I modeled after a few people, right. And changed some wordings. I actually have bits and pieces of all their scripts in my, in my main script right now. Right. But I think uh, what was interesting was that, when I first modeled, quote unquote, modeled the script, I read it word for word. And he's like one of those OG sales guys. And so I would like cringe when I'm like saying this on the phone. And I can't believe I actually said this stuff. And people, you can just you can just tell you're reading off a script that this is not who you really are. So I think that's a key thing, making sure that you put it back into your own words and you're communicating how you speak because that's authentic to you, right? Mm. So... People sense authenticity, man. They want to. They want to trust you, right? So if there's any break in that, or break in the, your conviction, because you're stumbling over your words, right? That aren't or even price. yours. <laughs> yeah. Well, price is actually very rarely. Uh, very, if you do it right, price is very rarely a objection, right? I mean, the way I do it is, you know, I on the front. If you're doing a two part close, uh, I always try to break down their finances in the beginning of the call, and if they don't, if they don't have enough. I help them find the money. I give them their different options. And if they don't like any, sorry, man, this is business. <laughs> you got you to gotta come up with working capital somehow, right? So we always laugh it off. And usually it's a positive experience. But that's why I love sales, man. There's so many... Di- you can tell there's so many different moving dynamics with sales. It's really, really fun. Anybody who loves practical psychology, like sales is definitely the most fun thing that I've done in a long time, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. let's, let's dive into helping them find their finances yeah. because yeah, I, I think there's a, an ethical way to do it and an unethical way to do it. And I would love to hear your approach to that. Yeah. So it depends what I'm uh, clo- like, what type of offer I'm closing for as well. But typically um, how I position is like, Hey, you know, with any business, especially XYZ business model, right? Finances play a role in it, right? Because you need 
resource you need resources for xyz right so right now i'm just going to ask you a few questions about your financial resources hey if it turns out that you don't have enough working capital no sweat i'll uh, i'll bring it to my team if you have a team or i'll i'll take main thing is that you don't make a recommendation on the spot you want to take some time to do your due diligence to give them a strong recommendation right i'll bring it back to team and we'll come up with some recommendations to you okay does that sound fair right ronnie right and they'll be like, yeah, that sounds completely fair, right? So then I'll, br- I'll, I'll talk about like how I usually break it down. It's just like, okay, so, so how much do you have set aside for XYZ business model or like in your case, maybe it's digital market for Facebook ads. How much do you have in working cap- a liquid working capital for this business model, right? And they'll be like, they'll say X amount of dollars, right? So then I'll write that down and then I'll ask him another question about it. I'll dive deeper into it. I'll just be like, okay, great. So is that money? Because I asked them what liquid was. Sometimes they don't know what liquid means, right? Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll ask them, hey, is that in something like a, this is more B2C, but in something like a retirement account, is it in like a business bank account? Where is it located right now? Is it stuffed in your mattress in cash? Sometimes yeah. it is, by the way. But <laughs> if they want to do any sort of online business, they have to move that. So it gives you a better sense of how rapidly do they have this capital as well, right? So that's, that's the first question. Second question I usually ask, uh, if, I, if I was doing marketing and whatnot, how much are they currently reinvesting into their marketing at the moment? What's their monthly ad spend and all that? So making sure that we have a baseline of what they're currently doing right now, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then we go into leverage capital as well. So breaking down their current liabilities, either personal or business life. So I'll break down all their debts, the mortgages, auto and stuff like that. In a more of a business setting, um, we'll, we'll break down their liabilities in their business, right? And then we'll go over, uh, I'll say something like, now that I understand your, your uh, credit side, or sorry, now that I understand your debt side, let's go over your credit, okay? Uh, they'll be like, okay. And one or two things will happen. They'll just be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable doing that, right? Or they're going to be very open to it. For the people that feel uncomfortable doing it, just be like, hey, I, I totally get it. But at the end of the day, we, we want to make sure that you're in a good position to do this. If you're uncomfortable about ta- uh, talking about your finances, no sweat, but there's no way I can assess your financial position for this business model, right? Does that make sense? Usually they'll say, yeah. So mm-hmm. do you want to continue? If not, get off the call. They're probably not going to buy anyways, right? Because what I notice, and I'll continue with the rest of the script, I guess. Mm-hmm. But in terms of people who are uncomfortable talking about their finances, Typically, they don't have any money, right? They're tired. They're probably tire kickers or stro- what we call strokers, right? And I think it's also important just because they don't have any money doesn't make them bad people. You just gotta, you just gotta remind them, hey, if you don't have the resources, no sweat. Let's, uh, let's, we'll come up with a plan with you regardless of the outcome, right? So really focusing on unconditional giving, right? And they're still really uncomfortable giving your liquid cash and all that sort of stuff. You just say. Hey, why don't we just start off with something that's not going to break the bank for you that you're comfortable with, right? That's a last resort option, but sure. I'm, I'm giving them the options. And if they're uncomfortable with doing any of it, they're not your ideal prospect, right? Because you have sure. to talk about money, especially if you're doing ad spend or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So then I'll break down their leverage capital. I'll just be like, okay, in your business, how many different credit cards do you currently work with right now? Okay, great. They'll tell me like three. Okay, great. All right. So do you, do you know the total line of credit on each of those cards? 
of that amount, how much is that? They'll tell me, they'll break it down and they'll ask like, of that amount, how much, uh, how much is utilized, right? So the whole time, I'm not asking just to sell them at the end. I'm really looking at their credits to debt ratio, right? So I mentioned that, I forgot to mention that earlier, that I say like, hey, we want to take a look at not only your, your debt, we want to take a look at your any outstanding debt that you may have in your business, just to assess your credit to debt ratio, right? So I'll say something like that. And then I'll go through that. And then I'll get the credit score too sometimes and just be like, okay, great. I have all the information I need financially. Now let's switch over your goals. So I changed this topic to something that reminds them back of the objective, right? Because if you end the call like, hey, got your money? Peace, guys, <laughs> right? Like, No, that's not a good experience, right? So you want to remind them of their goals and remind them why, what they're, what they're really there for. So the, it does a twofold type of thing. So that's how I break down finances, man. Mm-hmm. And do you bring that up on the second call, like the, the work that you've done for your recommendations? So it's important when you're doing a two-part close, mm-hmm. you always want to have, if possible, you always want to have two people doing it. You have a someone called a setter and someone called a closer, right? Really, the setter, actually, people say this. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but they say most of the sale is done in the set because you're setting the positioning, you're setting the expectation. You're the first line of contact for that customer experience. You're first human touch, right? In that sales process. So mm-hmm. you represent the brand at that point, right? And so I think it really helps having someone else kind of go over the expectations of working with each other. If they don't, if they, if they buckle on the price or whatever your cost of your services, it's up to the closer to be like, hey, you have X amount in this in leverage capital. You have X amount in liquid capital. You can do this, right? Now, the real part, so don't say that you can't do it, but, you know, and that's more for, I, I primarily do mostly setting. I think that's my strength. I, it's not like I haven't done closing before, but sure. I'm definitely a stronger uh, setter, if anything. So, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good feedback, man. Hmm. Yeah, what are your thoughts right now? Sharing that whole process that was like that. yeah, I'm I'm uh, marinating and like how it applies to B two B. Yeah, and you know digital marketing because I I think it, it's slightly different when you have an offer. Yeah, because I've closed for digital marketing too before in the past. So yeah, yeah. Right? I, yeah. When you when you mentioned like talk to someone who's done it, I was like, well, I have you here, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But basically, basically, the same questions apply even to digital marketing. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you want to make sure that you can establish a long-term relationship, right? That's the most important thing, right? And if they, they're not in a good position to do marketing, if that's not their primary problem, you got you to gotta let them know, be their trusted advisor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I've, I've said no, if, you know, if they're not ready or they feel like they're not ready, it's a, it's a later thing rather than a sooner thing. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's reconnect later. And you know, I don't have to waste your time right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the chances are they'll never come back, but, <laughs> but you never know. I've, yeah. I've had people that I pulled from the crypt, like, like six months ago, they're like, Hey Kevin, I'm like, Oh shoot. Who is this guy? So that's, it's really important to take really good notes, guys. Like take really good notes, record your calls. <laughs> so you can remember who these people are if you forget, but most of the time I remember most of the people I talk to. And I like right now I'm talking to a really hot prospect that I thought someone went cold but then he ended up, well, he responded saying, hey, I'm not cold. Like, I'm just handling shit. I'll get back to you. And then a week later, he referred me someone else. That's that's a hot prospect right now. Yeah. So it's just, it's random, man. Yeah, you, you definitely can't, can't always tell or predict what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think, uh, 
I mean, if you really, if you're, if it's the really, you, you know that the deal is not going to pull through, never hurts to ask like, <laughs> hey, do you, do you know anyone that might be interested in a service like this? <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? You're, you're, you're the, the deal's dead anyways. Might as well try to get a referral or something like that as well. Right. So. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like at that point you were literally foregoing the deal because the, the, in the desperation is going to like be seeping out of you at that point. Right. Maybe. I mean, personally, <laughs> I, personally, I wouldn't, I, I probably wouldn't, I've never done that. Well, have I done that? No, I don't think I've ever done that. Uh-huh. But, uh, I mean, if you want to, you want to get a, ref- try to get a referral out of it, just screw it. And you lost yeah. it might as well. <laughs> so, so you've given a lot of like closing tips and advice. Sure. What about building that pipeline? For you, is it just, you know, you kind of have inbound feeding you with, with paid advertising and someone else handling that so you don't have to worry about that? Is that the deal? Typically, yeah, that's the, that's the case, right? And I think it's better that way, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want, trust me, man. I talked to a lot of salespeople. They're unorganized. They didn't come from a pharmacy school background and stuff. I'm super organized. They can't move their deals and stuff. You don't want those people prospecting your your deals, right? You want the marketing to be purely focused on marketing, bringing those leads and stuff like that as well. But I've done like one of the things I'm really good at or that I think I'm really good at is uh, organic, right? So really making sure that people know you, that you're building an email list, you're building, you're collecting some sort of feedback, whether uh, people are interested in your services. I've done it through affiliate marketing too, right? Mm -hmm. So I had... I wouldn't do it on a $20 razor, man. You don't need to go on a freaking sales call for that, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> if you need to go on a sales call for like a stick of gum, bro, like that is not your ideal client, right? Yeah. But like I've, I've done it for different type of courses that I've taken that I really believe in. And uh, leads just kept on flowing in like that, man. And it's just like, uh, I think that's, that's important too, like creating content. That's why I'm such a huge proponent of creating content because people know who you are what type of person you are, they get a sense of uh, how you guys work together, your values and all that. If anybody's like, I don't trust, like, I don't know you, Kevin. I'm like, oh my God, I have freaking 800 videos on YouTube, bro. Like you didn't even check one of them out to see what I'm like, yeah. man, that's shame on you. You should do your due diligence if you want to do business with me, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that I throw it back on them. So. <laughs> sure. So someone starting out with, with no content online and at a complete loss of where to start, how would you... Mm-hmm advise them to start uh what kind of service are we talking about man uh b2b b2b like digital marketing type of thing or could be or just any type of agency or or service business first absolutely create content right create content about uh the most common questions that you typically get number one challenges that you have because guess what use that as positioning to show them before you even jump on the phone with them right they should know so three things have to be established when you're you're uh, you're jumping on the, uh, like when you're closing a deal, right? The great Jordan Belford, uh, the Wolf on Wall Street, bro. He talks about this in his straight line method. I don't use it all straight line, by the way, but I think these things are really important. It's having trust with the product, trust trust with the brand, and trust with the person that they're talking to, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're the business owner, it's probably you should have the highest closing rate because they probably already trust you, right? That's why they're jumping on a call with you, right? Yeah. But what you really need to do is really build trust with uh, trust with your brand and trust with the product as well that you're you're selling, you're offering. So if it's digital marketing services, talk about it. And the, the only, I mean, other than 
going, I, I feel like the best way to do it is creating content. It's more of a softer way to indoctrinate them to do it at their leisure, right? Like think about content. When you watch a YouTube video, you're not going to watch it when you're in like a huge rush or anything like that. You're going to consume it when they're ready and they're going to come to you when they're ready, right? Sometimes like, you know, when you jump on a call with someone, they're, they're doing too many damn things and all that. You have to set the expectation. And that's the point of content because it sets the frame. It sets, builds trust at the end of the day. And it's a win, it saves everybody time. So I would really, really recommend to do that case studies, whatever, whatever kind of content that you have, start creating it. So that's great. Creating highly desirable content around common questions mm -hmm. that your ideal client has and your expertise. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you get attention to it? Yeah. So I think one of the, so I remember when I was trying to first get clients because I, obviously I had to pitch my services somewhere, right? I didn't yeah. just like, oh, Kevin wakes up one day. Oh, look at all these clients, right? No, it's not like that. In the other in the other episode that we're talking about, uh, we're talking about meeting people. The one of the core three pillars that I focus on is relationships, right? Health, wealth, and relationships. But let's focus on relationships. I focus on relationships because um, just meeting different type of people, and then actually, you know, it's really interesting that referral question that I was like, you know, if it's a hail mary, no, but that was really great for just meeting people too, right? Yeah. Um, because when you meet someone, think about your friends, right? When you meet someone new, hey, what's going on? I'm blah, 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 blah. What eventually, what question eventually comes up? Oh, what do you do for a living, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that always comes up, right? Usually it does. People want to know what you do. So that's a time to really ind indoctrinate. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, shoot, I need that. You either get that or just like, oh, that's cool, right? Yeah. And if they say, they give the, oh, that's cool type of answer. They're probably not your ideal prospect, but they probably know someone that does, right? Mm. And so- Foster that relationship. Don't pitch on that. Don't like it. Don't blast and be hella needy and like cold, cold, uh, like do, do that. But I think that's the best way. It's a long-term strategy because I was starting to get my dream clients probably six months to 12 months into it, mm. you know? And so I think that's a referral. Like I think referral strategy is one of the strongest ways to get clients, especially when you're first starting out. Nice. Okay. So referral strategy works long-term, six, 12 months to land like your, your dream clients. Yeah. 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 I would say so. If you're really on a, if you're really desperate, like you need it, like I need Kevin, I need something in two weeks. Use a, go to where the buyers are, you know, they might not be the best prospects, but things like Upwork and all these other sites as well. That's a great way. If you have zero experience too, because I know there's people with zero experience is a great way to build experience. You don't want to be building. You don't want to build experience with the people that you really care about, your friends and stuff like that. You want to make sure that you can actually take care of those people as well because... Yeah, your, your reputation's on the line. Yeah, it's on the line, right? And I, I hate to say it, like if it's a stranger, I rather... If you're going to ask me, hey, uh, whose business would I rather risk? A stranger or a friend? I'd rather risk neither, but it's going to be a stranger. You know what I mean? Like the person I don't know, right? Yeah, it's an honest answer, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, Ronnie, how about yourself? I mean, you have experience with this. You have clients at this point. What's, your, what's been your strategy? Man? So, yeah, dude, shaking hands and kissing babies. Like, <laughs> exactly what we've been talking about, you know, like the soft sell, meeting a lot of people, giving a lot of value. Yeah. I think I've given so much value at this point that I can probably create content too and just refer them to it. That'd probably be a lot smarter and more efficient yeah. um, than just volunteering my time, which I've been, I've been doing a lot. But you know, the face-to-face -face is really good for Goodwill. So I'm, I'm expecting like some referrals in, in long-term. 
here's the truth too. No one likes to be hard so like no one enjoys a pro. I haven't heard anyone who enjoys a process like, huh, Kevin, I enjoy being hard sold. Like I've never heard that in my freaking life. I mean, sometimes you have to harden up on sales calls, right? They're being kind of a dick to you. Mm-hmm. But I never heard of someone saying, I like being hard sold. Sure, sure, sure. And, and another thing that I think the constant strategy plays into is that, you know, sometimes people aren't ready to buy. Yeah, they are. And, and yeah, the soft sell really like positions them to like roll down to the, the golf hole when they're ready. I don't know if that's what it's called, but. Well, you, it's building up your pipeline, right? Because mm-hmm. there's people that, I mean, we, we talk about this in marketing, but no like trust, right? And so pe- some people are just at the no stage. They're not ready to trust you yet because they don't know who you are. Yeah. It's like a relationship. It's dating, you know, like imagine going on Tinder and just be like, Hey, will you marry me? Like, doesn't that sound freaking crazy to you? That sounds pretty freaking crazy to me, but that's essentially the equivalent in business. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're going sure. down the Tinder, Tinder funnel. The funnel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, that's totally true, man. So I, I do want to make a quick pivot. You, you know, on your LinkedIn, it's all about your mergers and acquisitions product. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and that's why I kind of foreshadowed in the beginning of this conversation of, of what's next beyond sales. And I'm assuming that's it, right? No, actually, you know, it's really funny. So this <laughs> is the life of business, man. I was, so I went, went to the seminar in Scotland, Warwick Hill, Asim Haggis, right? Um, but uh, I learned everything about mergers and acquisitions and how companies go public and how to buy, sell companies, exit strategies and all that. Really eye-opening experience because no one teaches you this, right? And oh, yeah. you don't need any... <laughs> No, it's a crazy thing. You don't need any startup capital, but you know what it is? It's, or you don't need any of your own cash, but you know what it is? It's really freaking a lot of work, right? And I'm not scared. I'm not the type of person scared of, of work, but I really asked myself, is this the best use of my strengths right now, right? Like, am I truly, am I truly ready for something like this? Because it's not like a half in, half out. It's your full commitment, right? Yep. And so when I was rolling out pharmacies, because I was a pharmacist, right? I was planning to do that. Look at the profit margins, it's declining. I was like, oh man, like, I don't know. Like, especially seeing the stats, maybe there are profitable pharmacies out out there that are making more than 20%. But Mm -hmm. man, is this really what I want to be doing? I left the pharmacy field for a good reason, right? Mm. And I just made made the decision to quit that and really go back to my strengths, right? Things like content creation, uh, creating digital assets, right? Through different courses as well, right? And launching other business models too, right? But I have to, I always have to control myself because I'm not sure if you're the same way, Ronnie, but for me, <laughs> I always get shiny objects syndrome. I'm like, oh my God, that business model is so cool. I remember when I first found out about Amazon FBA, I, I was telling Tom, right? I was like, hey, Tom, I want to do Amazon FBA, right? And he was like, Kevin, you do not want to do Amazon FBA. I was like, why? <laughs> he was like, trust me, you don't. And then I looked more into it. I was like, damn, Tom, you saved me a lot of money not going down the Amazon FBA route, right? Yeah. Um, not to say it's a bad business model, but you have to find a business model that suits your strengths. And for sure. me, everything just tells me, oh, creating content affiliate model works really, really well for you. Brokerage, brokeraging, being a broker pays off, right? People give me referral fees and stuff just for referring kick-ass people that they can trust, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
I really, uh, I really just doubled down on my strengths this year. So if you're asking me, what's your plan in five years? I have no freaking clue, but I was planning to go down the mergers and acquisitions rope, but not doing it anymore, man. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And not to give you more shiny object syndrome, but I was just talking to someone with a great business model. <laughs> yeah. It's a paywall. Mm-hmm. So you pay $97 annually to be in, in, uh, integrated into this community. Yeah. And what happens is you get access to essentially wholesale prices for software. Oh, wow. And guess what? All those links are all affiliate links. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, Amazon Prime, right? <laughs> For software. Yes, right? yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I just had actually, I just interviewed him today and another guest on the podcast. That's yeah, he's, he's, awesome. he's crushing it right now. Yeah. So, you know, some food for thought since you have an audience. It's, it's kind of all over the place. So I don't know what your niche would be, but yeah. But yeah. That's an interesting thing, man. Like I think what, so I'll, I'll open up a little bit. I think one of my biggest like, not downfalls, right? But one of my biggest struggles or challenges, Ronnie, is like being able to identify like what, what you know how people always say niches are, uh, riches are in the niches, right? Yeah. Dude, I've had such a hard time identifying my niche because if you ever looked at my channel, known for doing jiu-jitsu, I'm known for doing sales, I'm known for doing pharmacy, so many different things and mm-hmm. kind of hard developing a personal brand into a, uh, into a niche, I would say, you know? Well, yeah. Maybe from a, so a marketing standpoint, your personal brand is like your offer or product. And what you should be doing is creating maybe two to three different avatars yeah. and serving them. And so, yeah, like, you know, a lot of, I don't know, like Zara, I'm sure they have like 15 different avatars, <laughs> but they're still known as Zara. So maybe something like that, because yeah, you have a ton of different avenues to go down with your content. What's, um, real, what's really interesting is that I actually recently opened up a, um, a uh, investing course, right? Named it Kick-Ass Investing, but funnel a lot of my refugee hustle, like traffic over there, whoever's invested into, who's into investing and all that as well. So I've been doing that, but that you're right. I mean, it's kind of hard to serve just one avatar because there's a lot of different avatars that follow me. It's so crazy, man. Yeah. And people make the same mistakes uh, when they're running ads. Like, okay, you know, we're just going to try to find the, the right ad for this brand. And it's like, you're kind of missing the avatar part, right? Cause there's multiple yeah. avatars. So you're, you're still talking to no one at this point. Yeah. And how do you craft that messaging if you don't know who you're talking to? Right. Like you can't, exactly. right. You don't, yep. you can't craft a solid thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, man. So here's the last question for you. And you kind of alluded that you can't answer it, but it'd be funny to see how you answer it. Okay. <laughs> what do you want to be known for in the next 10 years? That's, that's funny. <laughs> I think in the next 10 years, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'll tell you this, right, Ronnie? It's been really great being known for doing high ticket sales. It's been really great for being ju- knowing, uh, being known for pharmacy, jujitsu, and even balding at thirty, right? Being the leading authority for that. <laughs> I always joke around, but it's funny. Yeah, I do rank for that. But I think at the end of the day, and this isn't a solid, like, sexy type of answer, right? Doesn't have and, to be. Well, this is what I've been struggling with too, man. But I think uh, what I really want to be known for is like you, you know joe rogan right yep. People, you called me asian joe rogan <laughs> yeah but i i i don't want to be known for any particular thing but i want to be known for how i make people feel right knowing that you know kevin you can trust what he says he actually gives a shit about people and that if he doesn't know the answer he'll find the right person for you always helping and i think that's what matters most to me like i think out of those three pillars that we just talked about, uh, health, health, wealth, and relationships, the number one thing I've always felt rich in my life with 100% has always been relationships. That is the thing that 
Like I, even when I was at my brokest, I still felt like super rich, super lucky, super grateful for our relationships in my life because I've had so many people pull me up when I want to give up. I had so many people like do things like jujitsu with me when, even when I didn't feel like going when I was injured and stuff like that. And so I think that's, uh, that's, that's something I want to be known for cultivating really kick-ass real relationships. So that's my answer. Sweet dude. Yeah. You already got the bald head. You just need a really banging podcast. Yeah, I know, right? I just need uh, how many does this, how many does Joe Rogan have, man? Like he has a few uh, mil at this point, man. Oh my god, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, sweet man. Uh, tell people where they can find out more about you. Yeah, so people can find me on my website refugeehustle.com. If you want to find me on YouTube, it's refugeehustle.com/slash YouTube. Instagram for y'all, all y'all young kids. Uh, it's uh, Kevin the Refugee underscore after each uh, word and. I think that's it. I don't use TikTok or or I don't use Snapchat these days or anything like that. That's kind of like the dead platform. So that's where you guys can find me. <laughs> oh, the throw the the essay throwdown uh, at uh, Snapchat. Very cool. <laughs> uh, man. Thanks for being on, Kevin. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Ronnie, for inviting me. Appreciate it, man.